0: Mock drafts, free agent news, trades, and the comedic stylings of Al Melkiel and Scott White. Welcome, everybody. It's Wednesday, January 4th. I'm Adam Azer with those two comedians. Hey, guys. How was New Year's, Al?
1: It wasn't that funny. No? So, yeah, for uh, all that comedic
2: buildup, I don't have any <laughs> any good stories. Scott? Yeah, I think you have uh, too high expectations for our comedic hopes here. Yeah, just uh, a nice. We're just a couple. We're just three baseball guys. Yeah, yeah. We're not funny. No, we're
0: serious and stats oriented. But, (laughs) but we can be funny. But you, Scott, went to the Georgia Michigan State game, and we were just screaming about Mark Rick's stupid decision to play for a (laughs) field goal and kick it on third down. Well, just, yeah. Yeah, he butchered that. But did you have fun? What bowl was well, that? I the Outback Bowl?
2: Of, it was yeah, the Outback Bowl in Tampa. I did a lot of screaming myself. And uh yeah, it was it was mostly woeful screaming there at the end. But I I mean you're right, it was uh I don't know who out there saw the game, but um Kicking a field goal on third down in overtime after Michigan state had thrown an interception. They had possession first through an interception. So all Georgia needed was a field goal to win. They try and kick a 40 yarder on like fourth down and it doesn't go well because uh, Blair Walsh, not the kicker (laughs) he was last year.
0: Uh, And that was the start of a string of great bowl games, because after that, we had the Rose Bowl, then the Fiesta Bowl, and then last night, Al, we had the Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl, yes. And you're a Michigan man, so
1: congratulations. Thank you very much, yeah, so... Uh... You know they got lucky, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> they were so outplayed in that game. So
0: outplayed. <laughs> you know, and I picked Virginia Tech, and I was like, I just think Denard Robinson's not going to have a good game. He didn't. And he had a terrible game, and he threw that ball up on the first touchdown, it was was like 45 yards or something yeah. in Hemingway. Um, and got Co- so lucky there. A couple
1: big plays, couple turnovers. That was the ball game for now, them.
0: I didn't read yet about it. Was that field goal a design fake or was it a screw up at I the ble- end of the first half? Yeah, no, I think that was a screw up. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Yeah, Let me check that one out. We got baseball to talk about Carlos Quentin on the move, Carlos Beltran signed by the Cardinals. We got Andrew Bailey and Gio Gonzalez. Um, but, you know, the, the A's have given us a lot of fantasy baseball fodder. And we'll also do some mock draft talk. Maybe you look at uh, some middle rounds, well, you know, or the beginning of the middle rounds, four through six of a head to head mock draft. I guess that would be the end of the early rounds, wouldn't it? I would say so. Yeah. And then we got your emails. Oh, and we've got a new email address. It's fantasybaseball at CBSinteractive.com. So no more DMs. You don't have to come up with any more DMs. baseball at CBS This the last time we've ever talked about Doug Mathis, probably ever. But. <laughs> Doug Mankiewicz, very yeah. sorry. Um, maybe we'll try to work into the show some other way. <laughs> Let's get to the transactions. Carlos Quentin, he hit 254 with 20 home, run, 24 home runs, 77 runs batted in in just 118 games last year. Not good, though, when you go from Chicago to the Padres and he gets shipped for, uh, I don't know the pronunciations for all these minor leaguers, but I'm guessing Simone Castro, Pedro Hernandez. Let's talk about Quentin, value up, value down, value the same, Al.
1: Well, it's got to be valued down. Although, you know, you got to remember too, I mean, the White Sox are definitely dismantling here so it's not clear that quentin would have had a whole lot of run producing opportunities in chicago anyway but you know the environment is clearly a downgrade for quentin you know all i can say in his favor is that petko park isn't so bad for right handers and he's the kind of guy who maybe just has enough power to not be hurt too much i certainly like the impact on him better than i liked it for yonder Alonso going from cincinnati to uh, to san diego
2: yeah quentin is an extreme pool hitter so he he may be okay there but the bottom line is he has been only okay for the last few seasons here and and to me this trade is almost a relief for fantasy owners who no longer should feel the temptation to uh Draft him in the middle rounds, hoping that maybe this is the year he bounces back to the 2008 near MVP form. Because playing in Petco Park, I, I just don't see that happening. I can see him being as good as he was last year, but I, I'm not. I'm not in any way hoping for a return to that 2008 form anymore.
0: But the thing is, if he played a full season last year, he could have had a, a like a special year. I mean, the batting average well, would have specials, been great. specials. Overstated. Over thirty, he could have had over thirty home runs and over a hundred RBI.
2: Yeah, he would have had a very good year. Very good. Yeah. But, but he, the, if he stayed healthy, and that's been part right. of the package for him, and now so now you add that to the the poor park and and the low scoring lineup, probably and it's just, it's just all bad news and, and
0: reason not to take him as more than your fourth or fifth outfielder. What about these pitchers coming over to the White Sox, Simone Castro, Pedro Hernandez?
1: Castro definitely had a down and disappointing year last year, but it still has some potential. Um, Hernandez at this point may probably, uh, be getting more of the hype and the buzz than Castro, but he's still a ways off. So, you know, I have to say sort of a disappointing haul, even though both of these, these pitchers do have some long-term pot- uh, potential for Chicago.
0: Carlos Beltran to the Cardinals, two years, 26 million, which will move Lance Berkman to first base. We didn't talk about this on the last show, did we? No, Cause cause we it didn't. happened after. It happened afterward. could talked about it. And I just thought maybe there was like a rumbling or something and we might have mentioned it, but, um... Anyway, well official. yeah, we may have mentioned it. But now it's actually happened. Yeah. And that's and that's
2: the new thing. And uh you know, for Beltron and and Berkman, I don't I don't really feel like it changes much. Both are old and in the injury prone stage of their career, so they're they're still promising enough to perform like early rounders, but you're gonna draft them in the mid rounds because of the risks. Um I think uh it's bad news for Alan Craig, who is working his way back from knee injury, I think, uh, knee surgery, I think it is. Uh, some kind of surgery yeah, that's going to keep him out for most, if not all, of April. And it looks like Pujols leaving was going to free up a starting spot for him and make him this great fantasy sleeper coming off the big postseason and, and really a good regular season as a part-timer as well. Uh, but now, um, if Beltron and Berkman do stay healthy, there's not going to be an opening there for Craig
1: yeah, well and he can play a little third base and then you got another injury prone guy over there and David Freeze. So I I'm optimistic. I don't like enjoying, you know, the misery of these other guys. Uh but you know, if they do get hurt and I do think at some point some combination of, of those folks, Berkman, Freeze, uh, Beltran, they'll miss some time and Craig will be able to,
2: to chisel out a nice number of at bats. Now, I said Alan Craig on every reference there. I did not say Craig Allen. Yeah, right? you're, you're on fire. It's 2012. Am, I'm rocking and rolling. That Craig, was my New Year's yeah. resolution to get Alan Craig's name
0: right. Craig Allen is so 2011. Uh, exactly. We're leaving it in the past. Red Sox trade for Andrew Bailey. Okay, what's, uh, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is that uh, Mark
1: Melanson had uh, pretty much the shortest stint as a closer ever, <laughs> uh, a few weeks and zero games there. So no, he, he's going to be in that setup role that pretty much uh, we knew he'd be in anyway. Um, so not good news for him. I think a little bit of an improvement for Bailey value-wise um, just because I see him. I mean, save opportunities are always a, a hard thing to predict, but I like his chances better in Boston to get some of those uh, ninth inning opportunities. But, uh, you know, he'll be the same guy he's always been,
2: which is very effective and a a little bit of a health risk. The flip side of this is, of course, there's now an opening at closer in Oakland, and you have to think they're not looking to bring in a big-name, you know, guy who's going to cost them a lot of money with the way they're unloading here. Uh, the, The guys that they've mentioned as candidates already, Grant Balfour, uh, Fautino, De Los Santos, and Joey Devine. I mean, none of those guys are, are really going to excite fantasy owners. Um, Devine was projected to be a closer once upon a time, but missed a couple years with Tommy John surgery, came back last year and missed the last two months with a back issue and is just injury-prone and hasn't done much since... 2008. De Los Santos is too wild, I think, to close. And Balfour, another one of those setup men who looks great as as a setup man, but then when they try him in the ninth inning, it just doesn't go well for him. So, of the three, he's the one who I think uh, has the best chance of being a worthwhile. You, well, you know, anyone getting saves is worthwhile in mixed leagues, but a real difference maker at relief pitcher in fantasy. Uh, But all three of those guys are obviously worth watching this spring. What do you think happens with Ryan Madsen?
1: Oh, who knows? Um, I mean, there's just not a lot of opportunities left. If I had to pick a location for him, I'd say probably the Angels, partly because it's one of the few places left, partly because they're clearly in a mode where they're trying to win now and and going for somebody high profile like Madsen. Uh, I think the Reds could certainly use him. Uh, They're still talking to Cordero um, maybe there's a possibility there in Cincinnati, but probably Madsen's
2: out of their price range.
1: I'm not sure where's where's left. I don't see him
2: going well, to Tampa. Yeah. Well, Tampa was one of the ones I had on my list, although they don't like spending for closers, exactly. so I don't really see it either. Baltimore is a team I can see just desperate to make a splash, signing Madsen because he's still out there and because they don't really have a closer. Um, the Rockies even though they talk about liking Raphael Betancourt as their closer, they've been rumored to be after Brad Lidge and to me that indicates they're not completely settled there. I, I think the Dodgers, too, if they get um if they get any financial flexibility, you know, they can't be set with Javi Guerra necessarily. He looked like an overachiever and Kenley Jansen's hardly a sure thing either. So I think there's I think there's still a good chance Madsen's gonna end up closing, but the
0: op, uh the opportunities are dwindling. We talked about Yu Darvish on our last show but we didn't know who was going to win his rights. Uh, we had a narrowed down, everybody had a narrowed down to the Rangers and Blue Jays. The Rangers had the high bid for Yu Darvish. So if they get him, you know, what, what do you what do you think about that rotation? I, I like it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, um, you know, certainly makes up for losing losing CJ Wilson, I think. And again, you in know, in theory. In theory, and it is says the uh, president of the C.J. Wilson fan club. <laughs> but uh, oh, no, you just never know. With, you, you never do know with uh, players that that
2: come over from Japan or really from anywhere else. Um, the ripple effect is going to be yeah. interesting because they've already said they want Neftali Feliz in the rotation if provided he pitches well enough this spring. And I don't think they're going to go back on that again like they did last spring. They're I think it's very likely he's going to be in the rotation. So who's out? Is it Ogando, who pitched well in relief for most of the playoffs? Um, you know, it's not going to be Holland. It's not going to be Colby Lewis. Uh, I guess the other option would be uh, Harrison. Right. And that, that would be my preference if I was the Rangers, because he has the lowest ceiling by far, I think, of that group. But... I don't know, as well as Ogando pitched, he might end up being the odd man out, which would make him more or less worthless in mixed
0: leagues. Hey, how about that Gio Gonzalez trade going to the Nationals? They're in win-now mode. They're in, like, third-place-now mode. Yeah, <laughs> imagine
2: if they get Prince Fielder. If they that, get yeah, Prince okay. Fielder, there's no third-place-now about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's true. It's, <laughs> the, it's between the Phillies and Nationals, I think, with the uh, Braves and Marlins just struggling to keep up. If, if if the Nationals That's get Prince Fielder. I think absolutely. You take a look at the rotation and you take a look throw, at the Are you throwing the
0: Braves out that quickly? No,
2: I'm not throwing them out. I, they might still have a move or two in them before spring training as well that could help get them back in the race. But a lot of question marks in the starting rotation. Is Jurgen going to be there or not? Is he going to be healthy? Is Tommy Hansen going to be healthy? Um, is Mike Miner going to take a step forward? It's not. there's still a lot of depth in that rotation, but the high end is not
0: as secure as it looked this time a year ago. Well, we got plenty of time to talk about all that good stuff. I can't wait to do the position previews. I know we're a little way ways away from that. But let's talk about Joe Gonzalez. So the Nationals get him. They give up four minor leaguers, Brad Peacock, A.J. Cole, Tom Malone, and catcher Derek Norris. First three are pitchers, and Derek Norris the catcher. Gonzalez to the Nationals, Scott. Value up, down, or the same? Well, I think any
2: time you take a pitcher out of the AL, put him in the NL, it can only be a good thing, not having to face the DH anymore. Uh, Granted, he had some good matchups against the Mariners there pitching in the AL West, and the NL East, as we just briefly discussed, is looking like it's going to be a very strong division this year. Uh, But I think think Gonzalez, if anything, his value goes up. I'm I'm drafting him about the same way as I was before as a... uh, good pitcher with a good strikeout rate but still in a high enough walk rate that he's not going to be quite an ace for you in fantasy.
0: Uh, what about those prospects?
1: Yeah it's a nice nice haul here um, and you know two of them Brad Peacock and Tom Malone could find their way into the A's rotation if not on opening day uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, Peacock has considerably uh, higher upside than Malone does but Malone did pretty well in a uh, late-season uh, uh, tryout, uh, I guess you could call it, with the Nationals uh, last year, uh, control uh, contact uh, kind of guy. Uh, but A.J. Cole, of the three pitchers, he's the one who pro- really has no chance to be in the majors probably any time this year, but uh, highest upside by far of the three. So they got you know two guys that they can use right now and one guy who could be potentially an ace down the road. And uh, throwing Derek Norris, one of the better catching prospects in the minors. Uh,
2: walks a lot. Yeah. Good power, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, neck uh, when is Suzuki a free agent, Kurt Suzuki? I want to say 2013, but I'm not absolutely yeah, sure I about mean, that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... He, he's going to be Oakland's starter when once Suzuki's ready to go. And just to add, I, I really like Peacock. Uh, had a breakout year in the minors last year. You know, it's hard to say there's going to be another Brandon Beachy, and I'm not going to say... Peacock's going to be another Brandon Beachy, because those guys just don't come along very often. But if there was a pitcher who could become close to that this year, uh, Peacock would would be my guess. Uh, Like an AL
0: only kind of flyer?
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I could... Certainly AL only leagues, you're going to draft them. Mixed leagues, I... I think he's draftable in mixed leagues too, particularly if for drafts later in spring training, if, if he's had a chance to show that he's the front runner for the fifth starter job, then I, I would say the majority of mixed league owners are going to be looking to him in the late rounds. He's He's got pretty throws hard, has a good knuckle curve. Uh, it's been compared to Mike Mussina. So I, I think there's a lot to like there in Peacock.
0: All right. Coco Crispy signs with the A's for two years, guaranteed $14 million. Uh, the Yankees are thinking about Edwin Jackson uh, as a starting pitcher. And uh, John Heyman on our site said Jackson wants like 14 to $17 million a year. I mean, uh, come on. <laughs> he's, he can't possibly. So do I. Do yeah. <laughs> um, uh, two, two notes, though, that I wanted your opinion on. Hanley Ramirez, Al, says he's fine playing third base. I guess right now he's trying to be a good soldier. Does uh, this affect – Anything for you? For me, no, because I just figured this was going to get worked
1: out one way or another. Uh, we never got any kind of news about uh, the Marlins trading him that really had any kind of teeth. There was a lot of speculation, you know, shortly after the Reyes signing. So no, not you know, not anything really, um, really big there. Actually, I think the thing that got overshadowed—that's really more important—is um, uh, Hanley made the statement uh, in the Dominican where he was working out and he was saying his shoulder's almost completely healed.
0: That to me is.
1: More newsworthy than the fact that he says, "Yeah, I'm good with playing third base."
0: And Alex Rodriguez going to Germany to get the Kobe Bryant treatment on his knee. This was on his knee, right? Uh, his knee,
2: and I think also a shoulder yeah, as well. Okay. Left shoulder, right knee. Wow. Ah,
0: guy's a pretty injured, banged up guy. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, that's. Uh, Is this going to be the miracle the cure for him? Well, I, I mean, Kobe Bryant said it did a lot for him, and. Obviously, A-Rod was looking for something after hitting 191 when he returned from um, meniscus surgery on the knee last year. I, I I, think it's 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 worth noting because we saw last year with Bartolo Colon going overseas to get this groundbreaking procedure and made him a completely new player. But this is a different procedure. This, well, yes, obviously a different yeah. procedure. And I don't think you can have quite the same hopes for it because even if it does help the knee get back, get A-Rod back to producing the way he was in the first half last year and in spring training closer to the guy we've seen uh, being elite third baseman for years now. The fact of the matter is he hasn't played 140 games since 2007. So he's going to miss all that time. He's he's on a, a steady decline here. And to me, he's he's clearly um, clearly not the early rounder he used to be, more like a fourth or fifth rounder. Let's see, in this mock draft we did, he went he was the first pick in the fifth round. So that that to me is even with this report, that's still about where you draft him.
0: I'm gonna need you to hand me that mock draft there so we can go through it. So our head to head mock draft, and we're gonna go through rounds we'll try for rounds four through six. See how we do on time. But um just to recap, let's I'll go through the first three rounds real quick. Pujols, Bautista, Tulowitzki, Braun. Miguel Cabrera, Kemp, Ellsbury, Adrian Gonzalez, Halliday, Cano, Vado, Pedroia. That's round one. Yeah, it's worth noting that was before the bronze stuff came out. True. Uh, this was a while ago, right? Uh, yeah. Round two, Verlander, Upton, Justin Upton, Granderson, Kinsler, Longoria, Jose Reyes, Carlos Gonzalez, Kershaw, Hanley, Fielder, Cliff Lee, Lincecum. Round three, Sabathia, Teixeira, McCutcheon, Weaver, uh, Josh Hamilton, Felix Hernandez, Hamels, Victorino, Santana, Carlos Santana, David Wright, Zimmerman, and Beltre. To round four, and now we get some analysis with it. Matt Holliday, the first pick of round four, followed by Carl Crawford as Drupal Cabrera, Brian McCann, Ben Zobrist, Victor Martinez. We'll look at those first six. Carl Crawford, second pick of the fourth round, trying to rebound from a terrible year. It was last year a fluke? And what do you think about uh, going second in the fourth round? I think that's a, a
1: good spot to take him. I don't know that you want him to fall any further than that. If you have an opportunity, you know, in the fourth round to, to take him, I, I think that's that's a good spot because he uh, just a year ago he was uh, in many leagues a first rounder, and uh, you know, was it a fluke? I honestly don't know. I yeah. don't, you know, it's hard, really hard to say, but, uh, I've got it. You know, the, the Red Sox were just such a train wreck, obviously late in the season, but even earlier with, with all the injuries, uh, Crawford himself was a part of that. I just have to think that he's going to have a lot more, uh, run scoring run producing opportunities this season and, um, you know, uh, something of a, of a rebound, uh, just uh, of his own making, although how much that is, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not really that confident to be honest. McCannon
0: <laughs> <laughs> So would
2: you take him in the fourth round? So I They're would. Not. I'm saying but yeah. I wouldn't, you know, not probably not yeah, ahead that, of that. That to me that seems like the cutoff between the clear elite outfielders exactly. and the guys with question marks like Nelson Cruz and um I think he went before Mike Stanton, who's I don't know, that I, I could see myself taking Stanton before Crawford, but
0: about that range seems right. So we had two catchers going in these first six picks. McCann with the fourth pick of the fourth round, and then Martinez with the sixth pick. Who do you like better? I like Martinez better because he's playing
2: DH and not catcher, and that's <laughs> going to mean a lot more playing time. And he's even even when he was splitting his time at catcher, he, he usually got more bats than McCann, usually scored more points than McCann. Probably not going to hit as many homers as McCann at, at the age he's at, but I still think the overall production will be better from Martinez. Yeah, I, w- I would draft Martinez earlier, too,
1: and I think he could be a, re- a rebound candidate because the power really dropped off last year, and I'm not exactly sure why. He, but, was,
2: he was the highest-scoring catcher in head-to-head last year, so
1: yeah. But, and rebound I think, tool. <laughs> yeah, but, so he could improve on that, I think, because I just think that there's going to be some improvement in the power hitting, and yeah, he's a high scorer by virtue of the fact that he does play a lot, and and as you just pointed out, that's going to be probably even more so the case this year.
0: And they were the second and third catchers taken behind Carlos Santana in the third round. Moving on to the back half of round four, David Price went seventh in the fourth round. Scott took Kevin Euculus. Then we had Mike Stanton, Dan Harran, taken by Al, and James Shields, and Nelson Cruz. So again, it was Price, Euculus Stanton, Harran, Shields, Cruz. I find the latter part of that round uh, the, the more intriguing. I don't
1: know
2: if that's what you were going to respond to. I find it to. the more depressing. Yeah. I was not happy to take Euclid. I'm not high on him this year. I think every year that goes by, he just proves to be more and more injury prone, and he's getting toward his mid-30s now. It's not going to get better. He wasn't. He didn't put up his best numbers last year. The, the reason I took him... And I could tell if I'm looking ahead and I see exactly
1: why you took him because you hit the the slippery slope of the third yeah. base pool. The
2: next third baseman to go off the board was Alex Rodriguez. And then after that, I probably would have had to settle for somebody like well, Michael Young. Yeah, yeah, Michael Young. And then after that, you get to the Brett Laurie's of the world. If I had to do it over again, I'd probably want to be that guy who goes after Brett Lowry rather than take Eucalys in the fourth round. I I think the other reason I took... I went ahead and took Eucalys was because... there really wasn't much out there exciting in general. Uh, I guess Stanton, you could say, is exciting, but... he strikes out so much, and generally I don't like those players. Um, none of the pitchers, the true aces, were all gone, I think. And, and it was just a matter of there wasn't much else good out there, and I needed that position, so... That's kind of something I'm seeing with these drafts. The early rounders, the early round hitters aren't as safe as they usually are. Euclidus, um, Alex Rodriguez, among them.
1: Yeah, this is sort of the point in the draft where you know, things start to drop off sharply. So we already talked about third base. The last pick in the round was Nelson Cruz. And my first reaction was maybe that's a bit early for a guy that you know is probably going to miss 40 games, you know, maybe more. Um, but again, as we continue into the next rounds, the, the outfield pool is really not that deep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you maybe you do just take a flyer there. And then one spot before him, James Shields. Also, that strikes me as maybe a, an early pick. This is a guy who came into last year so severely underrated because of, of having such a poor year. Uh, I think he's going to find the happy medium in 2012. So I think he's going to have a tough time living up to his draft position in a lot of leagues uh, this year coming off of that great season.
0: Well, round five, we had Alex Rodriguez taken with the first pick then Jimmy Rollins and then Al took Lance Berkman.
2: All right, what do those three players have in common? They're old. Old. And <laughs> at least prone. two of them are injury prone. And that that's yeah. what I'm, I'm talking about yeah, with I'm some counting of these three. early rounds. Well,
0: are you making the case then to start taking pitchers higher and I yeah. I
2: did in this draft. <laughs> I took Clayton Kershaw in the second round and I think uh, is this the round yeah. I take Ian Kennedy? Yep. Yeah, pitch. Usually I I I'd, I'd have at most one pitcher in the first 5 rounds and I took two in these first five rounds. And that's not to say I'm going to do that in every draft. I'd still rather take the surefire hitters when they're available, but they're not look- they are not look like they're not going to be as available this year.
0: Interesting. All right, so the first six of round five, A-Rod, Jimmy Rollins, Berkman, Granky, Kennedy for Scott, Dave Richard took Mike Napoli. So, Al, uh, you took Berkman. Would you rather have him or Nelson Cruz? Yeah, I would rather have Berkman.
1: Both risky, pretty close. Uh, You you do have to like Cruz's all around game, but, um, you know, Berkman was just um, so solid last year and, uh, you know, provides so much power that uh, I I probably would give him an edge.
0: Seventh through 12th would be Michael Young, Hunter Pence, John Lester, CJ Wilson, Ricky Weeks, Alex Gordon. Let's do this. Best pick of round five, worst pick of round five. Uh, Al, you can. You want some time to think about it? Uh, Maybe to like c- sing a song or something. <laughs>
1: sure, yeah, sings. Uh, I, I've got. I, it's hard because there's a, there's not many picks in this round. I do like. Let me go for the best one first because I think that's going to probably be a lot easier. And I'm looking at. In fact, I, I know who it is. It's Ricky Weeks, um, and that was late in the fifth round. I think that's a pretty decent value pick at that point. Um, and there's not too many other guys here that i'm i'm really that enthralled with um you know the kennedy pick the lester pick the 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 pitcher picks in this round are fine um but by the same token to kind of counter what scott was saying a little while ago even though there's a lot of risks with hitters when you get to this part of the draft there's so much interchangeability among pitchers that i still think you're not risking much to take a flyer
2: on somebody like a like a berkman unless you miss out on all that interchangeability which, let's see, looking at the pitchers that went in round six, Strasburg, Giovanni Gallardo, Matt Cain. Okay, yeah. there's still some pretty good pitchers there. I would say so, I, yeah. I think the best pick is Zach Greinke because I feel like you look at everything but ERA with him last year, and he was an ace. He, he, he of these guys, has the highest potential to finish among the top eight to ten starting pitchers in fantasy. Crazy strikeout rate, good walk rate as always. Uh, And I think if you can get a granky quality pitcher in the fifth round, you're doing pretty good. My worst pick, and I guess you didn't name your worst pick yet. Nope. My (laughs) worst pick, I'll I'll go ahead and name it. I'm going to say Hunter Pence. And it's something I'm seeing across the board in our drafts. Hunter Pence, uh, in all drafts, in all fantasy baseball drafts, Hunter Pence going uh, about the range you'd take a high-end number two outfielder, early round pick like that. And to me, what Pence did last year barely put him in that threshold and it was an absolute best case scenario for him, um given his strikeout to walk rate, um his I think his bay bip was extremely high and just I, I can see the power numbers the being the twenty to twenty five Homer guy as always, but the batting average at three hundred or even well over three hundred like it was last year, I, I don't see that continuing for Pence. Yeah, he was certainly a
1: finalist for me. All the reasons, mm-hmm. Scott, that you gave. Um, you know, I see him as twenty twelve's version of Jason Worth, who again had a really unre- unrealistically great year in twenty ten, mostly BABIP driven. Um, you know, another guy I would consider is, is Alex Gordon because I think he'll take at least a little step back. See, that's next funny year.
2: that you say that because I would have considered Alex Gordon for the best pick for me. Scott uh, loves Alex point. Gordon. <laughs> I. You look at where he finished last year, he can afford to take a step back and still be worth that draft pick, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's... Honest. But then again, whenever I say that, it usually blows up in my face. It did it with Jose Bautista last year, but he didn't really take a step back. No, now, did he? not
0: too much. So, you know what? We have so many emails that we'll we'll just do rounds four and five today and we'll get to the emails now. Um, if you have Keeper League questions, draft strategy questions, anything, feel free to send us an email Fantasy baseball at cbsinteractive.com, Cody in Gainesville. I'm in a tough spot in my 12-team head-to-head points league. We can keep five players, but you lose the draft pick from the round the player was taken in the previous year or when you first elected to keep them. Also, there's no limit on how long we can keep these guys. Which five would you keep with their round in parentheses? Curtis Granderson, round five. Felix Hernandez, round seven. Jason Hayward, 12. David Price, 16. Hosmer, 19. Mike Trout, 20. Matt Moore, 20. Okay. I got my five.
1: I'm
2: going to name them. Okay. I've got got mine, too. I have a feeling we're going to
0: Curtis Granderson in round
2: five because he's like a second rounder now. Felix Hernandez, round seven, ace, it's a no-brainer. David Price, round 16, borderline ace, again, no-brainer. Eric Cosmer in round 19, he's clearly a starting caliber and first baseman in fantasy now, so you got to keep him there. And then I like Matt Moore in round 20, uh, because I think he's going to be the AL Rookie of the Year and be even better than Hellickson was last year and be, other than innings-wise... an ace right from the start yeah he's ridiculous yeah same five
1: and yeah with more and again you know you can keep these guys forever in this league so not only is Moore a really solid rookie of the year candidate this year the guy could be a Cy Young candidate in a few years so yeah let's say 2013
2: yeah so considering that you can
0: keep these guys for as long as you want can you make a case for Mike Trout in the 20th round over Curtis Granderson in the fifth round
1: I cannot. Just too many, too many question marks. Still, the guy's got all the tools, but um,
2: you know, until you see them translate into actual performance, it's... it'd be different if Granderson was like a third rounder. Yeah. But fifth round, getting a second rounder in the fifth round is—you don't ever do that. And yeah. You don't ever get to
0: do that. So, it, when you have a chance to, you got to take it. Joe in Dallas has a question about Ryan Braun. I play in an eight-team head-to-head points league. I can keep up to five for as many years as I want, no penalty. If I keep less than five, I get to draft other unkept players before the draft begins in round six. Ryan Braun was my number one keeper, but now I'm hesitant. Obviously, in a redraft league, I would rate Braun lower, but I'm wondering if I should keep him because if I don't, I'll probably never get him back. My options are to keep Braun or just let him go and get another unkept player would you keep Ryan Braun, knowing that this is only part of a season and he'll likely retain value for the rest of his career?
1: I I, I think it's a no-brainer that you keep Braun, um, and even if this was a one-year league, I think that it would be a defensible thing to do. The fact that you're going to get Ryan Braun, you know, we think <laughs> for a full year in 2013 uh, as possibly the most valuable outfielder in fantasy for that year, uh, absolutely have to keep him.
0: Brook, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. Brooklyn. Brent in Brentwood, New York. Not Brooklyn. Jay the Mailman in Brentwood, New York. Loves the show. Where would you rank these players? Oh, this was an entirely Mets email. <laughs> Where would you rank players like Lucas Duda, Ike Davis, and Dan Murphy with the fences coming in at Citi Field?
2: I think it helps them, obviously. I like Lucas Duda a lot as a sleeper outfielder. I've been drafting him in the 21 to 23 round range whenever possible because I mean he was a starter for my podcast league team in the playoffs which I won last year and that was a 12 team league with only three outfielders so if you can get him as a fourth or fifth outfielder and you he can continue that production over a full season I mean you're going to be happy with him Um, Ike Davis I think could be a great sleeper if he bounces back but there was so much so many setbacks with that ankle last year that i'm still a little scared of him uh, and then dan murphy if he's the starting second baseman i mean he was a 300 hitter last year you have to like that value in the late rounds as well yeah
1: i think he could gain as much if not more than the other two in value um you know because uh, he does have some power i think that uh, the the new uh dimensions could help him out a lot and you know as far as Ike davis is concerned there scott's absolutely absolutely right that there's a, a good amount of risk still involved with drafting him but you get to that point with first baseman in the draft and it's as deep as any position yeah but you still get to that point where you know you're looking at james loney and i can probably think of some guys who are you know more valuable than that. Oh, yeah. He's, and, he's going uh, before James he's, So I guess the point I'm just trying to make is that he's still a viable guy in standard mixed leagues and maybe yeah. even middle rounds in spite of all of the the risk that's
2: there because at that point your alternatives are are not very good. The debate I've been having in every draft is Ike Davis and Justin Morneau. And I've ended up with Morneau in both of them. I don't know mm. if that's because I decided I preferred Morneau or because somebody took Davis before I had the <laughs> chance to. Uh, But I think that's about the range we're talking about with him.
0: Here is Jason Mariana in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. Seriously, Cranberry Township. I've driven
1: through there many times. They have a turnpike exit. Oh, really? Outside of Pittsburgh, yeah. Well,
0: that's that's pretty special. Um, (laughs) It is. How should one strategy change when drafting in a 5x5 roto league as opposed to a head-to-head league?
2: Uh, It should change... It it should change a good bit, and I think I think the strategy changes more than how you prioritize the players. Uh, a good player in Roto is, is a good player in head-to-head. The difference is you have to vary what kind of contributions you're getting. So you have yeah. to. There there comes a point in the draft where if you haven't gotten steals already, you got to go for the steals guy, even if you might have the non-steals guy ranked ahead of him. Um, I, I like to pay attention mostly to homers and steals and let the runs scored in RBI take care of themselves, because usually they do. And then for pitchers, um, a higher emphasis on the strikeout guys, for sure. Um, and then number of closers you're going to draft changes as well. You're going to want to go for three when you'd nom- normally go for two in a head-to-head.
0: I think that covers it, the, all the <laughs> points I had in mind. And then finally, Chris in Los Angeles. I am entertaining the possibility of playing in my first Roto 5x5 total points league. Five pitching and five hitting categories. Compete against all the teams in the league for the entire season. That is probably standard, but I thought I would note it anyway. In general, do you think it's better to target five or six categories or another number at the exclusion of the rest or to get a well-balanced team to compete in almost every category? you know yeah so this is about punting
1: yeah and uh i don't like to punt uh it seems like every year it it becomes inevitable in in at least one league for me but um you know i i think scott gave one good uh sort of short you know shortcut to that which is that there are correlations among the categories so certainly for hitters yeah so you know i think that's a, a, a good thing but no i you know My personal preference would be in a a Roto League that um, you you really do want to balance things out so that if you know that there's a certain power hitter who's not very high on average that you're targeting, you want to make some allowances to make sure that you you get some average guys as well. Um, I really don't don't like to to punt
2: if I can help it. One thing I noticed among my Roto teams that struggled last year is in this effort to balance home runs and stolen bases, I kind of neglected batting average too much. I think if if you can avoid the known two forty ish hitters like well Adam Dunn used to be that guy but now he's even worse than that yeah, uh, like a Chris Young or a uh,
0: Carlos Peña yeah.
2: Carlos Peña is a good example Carlos Quentin might be a good example too um, that you should you should make a point to avoid those guys even if it seems like the right time to take them take them it's it's gonna take a lot of batting average to make up for a 240 hitter because there's always going to be teams out there hitting in the com- compiling a 270 to 280 batting average over a full season. Well, 280 is kind of high, but you you get the idea. Those those guys can really hold you back in that category if, if you have even one of them. How about Mark Teixeira? Mark Teixeira is going to hit. <laughs> 290 this year no way at least (laughs) he's he's all over that Um, we'll see look you look at the splits yankee stadium away from yankee stadium it's clear he started to uh try to hit homers once he got to that short porch in right field and he acknowledged it at the end of the season he he was aware of what the statistics were already telling us and i think if he's on top of that he's gonna be looking at all kinds of video this off season, but the lefty-righty splits swing. were pretty
0: pretty drastic, weren't they? Um, I'm pretty sure he was fairly worthless from one side of the plate. Well, I, maybe it was the right side.
1: No, I think I think you're right. Um, I'm actually trying Look to it buy up. myself. <laughs> if
2: he was worthless from the right side, well, it seems like a lot of switch hitters become worse hitting from the right side just because they're not doing it as much, right? Uh, and, and that might be part of it, or i don 't know you know i i can't hit from both sides of the plate i can't really hit from any side of the plate, but I can hit on top I, of the plate i i I wonder if you know if you change your approach from one side you you end up kind of changing your approach from the other side just because I I don't know why. I I could see that being the case if if you are a switch hitter. If there's any switch hitters out there listening, let us know how that
0: works. (laughs) Let's go to the stat desk with Al Melchior. All
2: righty. Versus right-handed
1: pitchers last year, 223 against lefties, 302.
0: Okay, so he's worthless from the left side of the play, which was where he was for much more of the year. Yeah, now he wasn't worthless because so, he obviously hit for power, but batting right. average wise, and, he cannot, right. He's he does bad batting because, average as a lefty because because he
2: was going for those home runs, though, is yeah. the thing. That's where he's going to be most affected from the left side of the plate. Okay, yeah, no, it, it was a clear, you know, power for average kind of trade off for him.
1: By the way, I'm not as optimistic as Scott, and we'll you know be hashing this out in the weeks to come. <laughs> but my initial run of projections, I do have him projected for a two sixty eight average this year because I just don't see him turning the switch off on that uh, flyball craziness uh, overnight.
0: We're done for today. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. I'll be on vacation next week. Woo! Then after that, hopefully we'll pick it up a little bit more. Um, But obviously, we'll get you ready for your drafts. We'll have position previews. We'll have some really good stuff. And feel free to email us at fantasybaseball at Dm No, dot com. (laughs) No DM. (laughs) No more DMs. See you all later.